Okay. Let's go to John 15. I am the true vine, says Jesus. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. And every branch in me. Can you say every branch in him? That does not bear fruit. Okay, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit. So if this branch is not bearing fruit, what does he do? What does he do? It's thrown away. And every branch that bears fruit, the Father prunes. Now sometimes on a branch of a vine, there's this dead and dry things. Now what, what the Word of God means by prunes is to clean. Can you say to clean? So, what the word of God says is, every branch that does not bear, that bears fruit, the Father cleanses. Now, if you look at the real word in Greek, it's not prunes, it's not just cuts, but it's cleanses. And if you know about vines, grape vines, what happens is they're a very delicate plant. And the vine dresser takes extra precaution that if there is a vine, a branch of a vine that's bearing fruit, there's lots of grapes, the dead portions, the dried leaves are removed out. The reason they're removed out is because there's life flowing and this life and nourishment is getting wasted. And so the dead and dry stuff is just removed out. If this is a dry leaf, it's just removed out. Now we've got such a wrong idea of God and we say, okay, that's the suffering that's coming. That's the trouble that's coming. This trouble is the cleaning. No, 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 no. The dry stuff is not the trouble that's coming. Our God is not a sadist. I mean, you don't give your children a bath by pinching them all over, do you? You don't. You don't give, you, you don't give your kids a bath by whacking them, do you? No, you don't. Then that, why would a father do that? Why would God do that to you? He gives the answer in the next verse. He says, you, he's speaking to the disciples. He says, you are already clean because of the word which I spoke to you. What does it say? You are already because of the that I spoke to. That means this is what cleans you and me. Now, whose job is it? Whose job is it to do the cleaning? Jesus says, I am the vine. He says, you are the branches. My father is the vine dresser. Whose job is it to do the cleaning? Whose job? The vine dresser, right? The person who takes care of the vine. Have you all understood so far? You've got the vine... You've got the main stem. You've got branches. 
Jesus says, I'm the wine, you are the branches, my father is the vine dresser, and he prunes, removes the dying dead stuff, from the branches that bear fruit. The branches that don't bear fruit are cut off. Before we get to the fruit, who does the pruning? Who does the cleaning? The Father. Now he says, he says, you are already clean by the word which I have spoken to you. Where is the word which Jesus has spoken to us? In the, in the Bible. That means when you read the Bible, listen carefully. When you read the Bible, if you read it with focus and diligence and understanding, not just WhatsApp quotes here and there, okay? But read it with diligence, with understanding. The Father is cleaning you. This is the Father's scissor to remove the dead stuff from your life. To remove the fears from your life. To remove the stress from your life. To remove the emotional upheavals in your life. To remove the oppression from your life. To remove the bondage from your life. Because that's the dry stuff that's sucking life out of you. That's wasting nourishment that Christ and, and the Holy Spirit is giving inside of you. So what does the Father do? He cleanses. When does he cleanse? When we hear the... Right now, as I'm speaking the word to you, you're being cleansed if you pay attention because you've got to take it in. Jesus said if the word, the word is like a seed. If you don't understand it, it's like the seed that falls on the roadside and the birds come and take it away. But you've got to understand it. It's in understanding that it goes deep inside. So are you understanding what I'm saying? Yes or no? Yes. This word cleanses you. That's why in Psalm 119 he says, Thy word, O Lord, makes me wiser than my enemies. Can you say that with me? Thy word makes me wiser than the enemies. You know what that means? The more you take in of this, the wiser you get with respect to Satan. You get wiser than the devil. Do you understand? The more you read of your Bible, you become smarter than Satan. Wiser than Satan. We have, we've come to believe that Satan is this, is this big, ugly, dark figure that we're all supposed to get scared of. You're supposed to get scared if you don't have Jesus. But if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you've repented of your sin, and you've made a decision to put your trust and your faith in Jesus and Jesus alone, and you have this as your authority, not any person, not any man, but this as your authority, then you are already taking your first steps to become wiser than Satan. You're smarter than the enemy. 
And it's the same word that cleanses you. It cleanses you of all the stuff that's sucking the life out of you. You want to praise. You want to thank God. You want to work for the kingdom. You want to do things for Jesus. But you know what's, what's sucking out your time? The dead stuff. You know what's taking away all that energy, that enthusiasm? The dead stuff. Those desires, those temptations, those thoughts of lust, those ideas getting back to addiction, those ideas trying to say, come on, get back to this, do this, do that, do this, do that. That's the stuff that's sucking you dry. You know what's the funny part? If you keep getting dry, you're not going to bear fruit. You've got to be cleansed. The only way you can be cleansed is through his word. This dry stuff is a stronghold that we have in our mind. Have you heard of the proverb, that proverb from the Bible? Cleanliness is next to godliness. Have you heard of that? From the book of Proverbs, cleanliness is next to? That's not from the Bible. Because cleanliness is not next to godliness. Godliness is another thing. We've been taught this stuff. We've been told this. Cleanliness is next to godliness. And so we've got people who are clean freaks. And they feel they're doing God a job. They're doing God a service by cleaning. They feel that's their worship. And because they feel that's their worship, there's fights in families because of that. There's arguments. There's discussions. There's confusion. Cleanliness is not next to godliness. It's nowhere in the Bible. You must have heard the other one, right? Give till it hurts. The word of God never tells you to give till it hurts. You know what the word of God says? Give cheerfully. For God loves a cheerful giver. But we... We believed all this stuff. And this dry stuff is putting a performance pressure on us. This dry stuff is trying to put rules and regulations upon our minds to try and make us believe that that's what we're supposed to do. Right? People say, you've got to pay your tithes. Pay your tithes. You've got to pay your tithes. Brother, sister, tithes are long over. It was the law of Moses that spoke about tithes. Now all you have is God's if you put your faith in Jesus. Oh, keep Sunday as a Sabbath. Keep the Sabbath. Keep the Sabbath. Keep the Sabbath. Keep the Sabbath. Listen. Your whole life is a Sabbath right now. Because you've given your life to Jesus. That was the old covenant. Jesus says, I start a new covenant with my blood. A new covenant. That's got one law. One law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. And there's another part to it. That you love your neighbor as yourself. But we've become like these Pharisees. Right? We want to keep this and that and this and that and this. But this main thing. And matters of love and faith and righteousness. We don't want to keep that. And Jesus spoke to the Pharisees. He says, what do you? He says. You put a filter, you put like that sieve, 
you remove the wheat and you pick up the small mosquitoes coming from there. But the camels that are coming out, you eat them up. So matters of love, which is commanded by us, uh, by, by Jesus to us, we just, we just don't look at it. We don't look at it. We, 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 we tend to, we tend to eat up. We tend to look at the other things. Oh, Sunday, you didn't do anything to Jesus on Sunday. Like Jesus is having a weekend off. So we look at one day. It's like Women's Day, right? For Women's Day, what happens? All the, of all the days of the year, one day is chosen as Women's Day and everyone is sending messages of respect to the women. What happens the rest of the year? So you can rape the women the rest of the year and one day you show respect. You know what Jesus calls them? Hypocrites. You want to show respect to women? Show it through the year. You want to give God worship? Give it through your life. Not one day. It's your whole life. And this is the dry stuff that's there. As you look at the word, it's so simple, so clear. The father cuts off, removes, removes the dry stuff, removes it out. Do you know there's nothing else mentioned in the word that can clean you? Nothing else, only the word. You can't get cleansed by saying, Lord, make my heart clean. The only way you can get clean is by the word. You can't, you can't come and say, I'm going to keep this devotional prayer. I'm going to do this prayer every day faithfully for the next few weeks and I'm going to get clean. Rubbish. The only thing the word of God says can make you clean is the word of God. The only thing that can make you clean from all this dry stuff. Can you say that with me? The only thing that can make me clean is the word of God. The only thing that can cleanse me is the word of God. And there's something else. The blood of Jesus. But the blood of Jesus does not clean you like we think, oh, uh, let me just take the blood of Jesus, apply it all over, take the blood of Jesus. Oh, come on, let's not live in a superstitious world. The blood of Jesus has cleansed you when it was shed 2,000 years back. Now you've got to believe what the word of God says. That you are made clean by that blood. Not something that you have to keep applying to yourself like ointment. Right? This is the only thing that can cleanse you. Remove the dry stuff in your life. This is the only thing that can cleanse you. I was just reading Ephesians today. And the word of God says something so beautiful in Ephesians. He says, Wives submit to your own husbands. And you hear these people and these pastors ranting it out for every wedding. You see? See what the Bible says. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Wives, submit to your own husbands. And the question that I keep asking them is, okay, all that you can say to the husbands is, husbands, love your wives. That's all. But you read what's there, there. You see the responsibility of the husband is so much more. He says, husbands love their wives like Christ loved his bride, the church. And like Christ cleansed the church and cleanses the church with any spot or wrinkle with the water of his word, he says. 
in that way. Love your wives because when you love your wives, he says, you are loving your own flesh. Nobody will hate your own flesh, you say. You love and you cherish your flesh in the same way. Love and cherish your wife. And you know what else it says? It says the two shall become one flesh. Male and female have made them. The two shall become one flesh. That is what marriage is. The two becoming one. The two becoming? Now, you know what else it says? It says, and fathers do not provoke your children to anger. And fathers, train up your children in discipline and in admonition. Not of the wise sayings that are in the world, but in admonition of the Lord. Correct them from the Bible. In admonition of the Lord. Children, he says, obey your parents. For that is the only command. That has a promise. What's the promise? That you shall live long and you shall have a long life. My brothers and sisters, this is all the dry stuff that's there. Dry stuff. But once we take in the word, this dry stuff is picked up and broken off. Dry stuff. How can we get clean from all this dry stuff? Only the word of God. That's right. Only the word of God. Can you say that with me? The only way I can... Get clean from the dry stuff. From the dead stuff. From the dead ideas. From the dead ways of thinking. From the wrong trends of thinking. From the strongholds. From the assumptions. Is. By the word of God. Do you want this? Do you get it? You can't bear fruit. If there's too much of dry stuff. The father does the cleansing. You've got to take the taking in. You've got to do the taking in. The father uses the word. As the scissor. To clean the dry stuff. Now tell me something. He says. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Think about this. Imagine this is a vine. This is not exactly how a vine looks like, but just, just, just picture it as a vine, okay? It's much thicker than this, okay? Anyways, picture it as a vine. You've got these branches. I want, to, I want you to tell me something. When you look at this, do you see the branches separately and the main vine separately do you see the branches separately and the main vine separately or do you look at it as a whole come on think about it do you look at the whole thing as a whole thing 
or do you think that this is another plant this is another plant this is another plant this is another plant and the vine is a separate plant do you think that way you look at the whole thing as one plant you look at the whole thing as the vine you don't look at it separate vines do you you don't look at this as separate vines do you do, do, do you look at your mango tree and say oh that's another mango tree but you're pointing to a branch you look at another branch and say that's another mango tree you look at another branch and say that's another mango tree you don't do that do you because then you have to put manure for each branch right correct you have to put compost for each branch you don't do that right you look at the whole thing as a it's one it's one so what's the fruit of the vine called are you sure it's not mangoes right and do all branches give grapes do, do 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 all branches i mean that their fruit is the only fruit that's born grapes or is the is the fruit that's born sometimes nuts and sometimes probably almonds or cashew nuts ever or is it always grapes are you sure a, a, any any vine that you've seen that one of the branches grows chocolate no always grapes when you see a vine you'll always see grapes as the fruit that is born in every branch right okay so what's the fruit here she said unless you bear fruit you are cut off and thrown so what's the fruit what's the fruit this is where it starts getting interesting what do you think is the fruit uh okay the gifts of the holy spirit are more the life that's flowing through you rather than the fruit which is the outcome of your existence so what do you think is the fruit what are your grapes brothers and sisters that's the question because if you don't get that all this does not make sense because the branches exist in the vine to bear that's the reason the branch exists right if if a branch that does not bear fruit is cut off that means the only reason why you exist in that in that vine is the fruit right so what's the fruit the only reason the 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 vine dresser comes and trims you takes care of you is because you bear so what's the fruit nobody ever asked you this question i'm sure what's the fruit because you assume it right we assume in our christian life we assume things we say yeah fruit is fruit no fruit of our christian but what's the fruit what is it righteousness peace and joy and the holy ghost okay it's nice to give textbook answers but what's the what does it really mean what's the fruit love joy peace long suffering gentleness goodness kindness meekness faith self control what's the fruit but the good news is the reason you are connected otherwise you're cut off 
So it can't be the fruit. The fruit can't be disciples because disciples become branches. You're getting close. You're getting close by saying the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the uh, uh, righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost and all that stuff. You're getting close with what is it? That's the fruit. Jesus said something. He said, the food, my food is what? What is my food? He said. No, he said something. Think about it. To do the will of the Father. What's his food? To do the will of the Father. It's when you do the will of the Father that you're bearing fruit. The fruit is doing the will of the Father. Right? I mean, everything comes in there. You talk about gifts, you talk about fruit, you talk about righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. All of that comes together with this one thing. Doing the will of God. The more you do the will of God, that's why Jesus says it's perfectly in line with the rest of the stuff that he says. Right? He says, he says, there's a wise man and there's a foolish man. And the wise man builds his house in the rock is the one who hears and does the word. The foolish man is the one who builds his house in the sand, who hears but does not do the word. And so we're supposed to be people who hear and we... That's why James says, don't just be hearers of the word, be hearers and doers. He says, faith without works is dead. What's the works? The will of the Father. Now, so we figured out the fruit. We've heard the branches. We know what the branches are. We know what the vine is. Who's the vine dresser? The? So when you bear fruit, who are you pleasing? When you bear fruit, who gets the credit, brothers and sisters? Why? Because he is the wine dresser. Who is the wine dresser? The father is the wine dresser. You've got to understand the closeness of this connection. I'm just going to break off a little part here so that I can just... <sighs> okay. So, I want you to see this. Look at this. Let's remove the leaves. Let's remove all the other things. I want you to see this. Look at this. Just, just forget the leaves. Ignore that there are leaves. Just ignore that fact. No one see this. Just look at this. Right? These are the branches. This is the vine. Right? Can you see the unity? Can you see how united these branches and this vine is? Right? I mean, assume it's a, it's a vine. Okay? I mean, just stop getting scrupulous. Um, Assume that this is a vine. Can you see how one it is? Can you see how united it is? How much a part of the vine it is? So much so that you can't, you can't distinguish where the vine begins and where the branch begins. Come on, tell me. Where does the branch begin? Here? At this point? Okay, what about this branch? Where does this branch begin? Where does it begin? Come on, tell me. For those who say the branch begins here at this point here, okay, I'll cut this off. 
Now tell me, what about the other branch? Where's the other branch beginning? Do you know? He's just so one with the vine. That's why he says, abide in me. Remain in me. Don't cut yourself off and think you're on your own trip. Remain in me. What does he say? Remain in me. Abide in me. Remain in me. Can you see this? This is what it means. If you look technically, here is where, here is where the branch actually begins at this point. But if I don't point the scissor to it, you don't know where it starts. It's just one. You know where it begins. You don't know where it ends. It says, abide in me as I abide in you. Do you understand? It's this vine, the main stem, that's really giving life to this branch. You know, once we found a tree, uh, a branch of a tree, and we took the branch and we cut it on either side, and we saw there was a small little hole on one side, and at the end of that branch, there was another hole. And we said, wow, this branch is like a pipe. So we did something. We took that branch and we put water. And we said, let's see what happens. So we put water and you know what happened at the other end? There was water that came out. Every time we put water, water came out. Every time we put water, water came out. And we said, wait a minute. That means when the branch is connected to the vine, when the branch is connected to the stem, whatever water Whatever nourishment is in the stem flows to the... I don't know whether you're getting it. Whatever is in the stem. Who's the stem? Jesus. Whatever is in the stem. The level of anointing. The capacity, the fullness of the spirit of God that's in the stem comes forth in the what? Wow. The life that's in the stem flows forth to what? That's why he says, God so, sent, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten, that everyone who may not but have eternal, ah. And he who has that eternal life will never perish. Why? Because that's the life that flows through. Understand this, brothers and sisters. This is what it is. You've got, you, you are, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, not belong to this religion or that religion, because God has not come here to start a religion, okay? God is not here to start a religion. God never came to start a religion. Religion is an imagination of man's head, okay? God came to set up a relationship, not a religion. He came to have a relationship, a father-child relationship with you and him. Do you get that? God came to have a relationship with you. And the fact that God came to have this relationship, think about it. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you believe in him, when you put your faith in him, when you say, Lord, I give you my life, and, I, and, and you say, this, this word is going to be my authority. I'm going to live my life based on this word. Because this is what cleanses me. This is what gives me life. And in one place it says, the word energizes you. The word which we've spoken energizes you, he says. 
It's this word that really gives me energy. So I'm going to drown in that word. That's going to be my final authority. Not what so-and-so says or so-and-so says, but this is going to be my final authority. And this, I'm going to remain in Christ. Now think about this branch and this vine. Does the branch have a separate identity from the vine? I've literally plucked this out from the main thing. What good is it when it's plucked out? Not good? Let me put it in perspective. Let me put it in perspective. This is a phone, right? Right? I remove the battery, and I close it, and I destroy the battery. What good is this phone? Oh my, you don't get it. I can just play around with it. I can use it like a toy. Right? I can play around with it as a toy. But is it any good? It is one word for it. Yeah, but another word for it. Useless. Worthless. It's got no worth. It's got no value. You come with a battery-less phone and you try to go and sell it in the Motorola showroom, if there is one, what are they going to say? How can we take this? It's, you've got to put what? You've got to put a battery. Let's talk about the internet. Let's say there is a wire coming into your house. But there's no internet. You've not paid a subscription. There's no internet. Is it any use? You've got the cable. You've got the modem. You've got the router. But it's useless. What is it? Worthless. So is this branch. Without being connected to the wine, what is it? Now, let's get back to that phone. With the battery out of the phone, why is the phone useless? So, so, if there's no power, so what? So what? So what? Why, why, what's the meaning of I can't make use of it? Sorry? You can't use it for what it is. So if you get the battery and destroy the battery and the small little connectors that are there inside that really are used for the battery, if you destroy that also, you can't even put a new battery to it. It is completely worthless, right? Okay, I think about it. The phone does not have any use because it has lost its purpose, right? It does not have any purpose. It has no meaning. It has no purpose. And what it was made for, it cannot do. Do you understand? What it was made for, it cannot do, right? So this phone, of its own, without a battery, has got no identity. Right? It's got no 
got no identity. It means nothing. It's a dabba. It's a metal box. It means nothing. There's no value to it. It's got no value. Okay. This branch, if it's not connected to the vine, it has no but if it's connected, it's got value. Okay. Now think about it. I've got this phone. I'm going to actually try and remove the battery. Let's see if I can do that. I've got this phone. Now the fact that I've got this phone, do you look at the phone and when you put on your phone and you take your calls, you say, wow, such a nice battery. Oh, the battery is working so nice. Or is the whole unit working together? The whole unit is working together. It, it, you don't look at the screen and say, wow, nice screen. No, no, no. Maybe initially when you buy the phone, you'll, you'll look at it and say, wow, nice screen. But otherwise, the whole thing works together, right? You, 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 don't, you, don't, you don't pick up the call and say, wow, praise idea. You don't say that, right? You, you, you don't say that. You don't say, wow, um, such a nice network I have. Uh, Vodafone is so awesome. No, you, you, don't, you usually don't say those things, right? Because the whole thing's working together. Because you can have an awesome network, but if you've got no camera, you can't click, for, uh, can't click pictures. The whole thing's working together as a whole. Can you look at this phone and say, wow, that's such a nice camera you have? No, you, you, you don't look at each part separately, do you? It's all together. The vine, the branch, it's all... Oh... The branch does not have its own identity. The branch does not have its own identity. By itself, the branch does not have any identity. It cannot bear fruit. If one of the branches, one fine day decides, I'm going to just detach myself, I'm just going to, um, I'm just going to be another vine. What's it going to be? Dead. Right? If, if, if the branch one fine day says, my goodness, I don't know whether there's enough water there. Is there enough water on the roots? Is there enough nourishment on the roots? Well, listen, that's the, root, that's the roots problem, right? That's the stem's problem. It does not concern itself with the things that matter to the stem, right? All it does is it attaches, remains there, and does not cut off. Correct? Does the branch have a separate identity from the vine? No. It has its identity is the wine. Can you say that with me? The identity of the branch is the wine. Okay. What's the need for this whole big explanation? Just so that you get something. You are the branches, right? Who's the vine? So I have to be to the moment I am connected to Jesus, the nourishment that is in Jesus, who is the stem, flows through me. I am abiding in Christ, and Christ is abiding in me. I know. I know. Christ is abiding in me, and I am abiding in Christ, and so this is connection, this connection is there. Now tell me something. What's my identity? Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. What's my identity? 
When the father looks, what does he look at? What does he look at? He looks at the the vine. The favor he shows the stem is the favor he shows the branches. The nourishment that's in the stem is given to the the manure that's put in there, the nutrients that's coming from the soil is given to the stem and it's so given to the Wow. Who is the stem? Jesus. You are the branches. And so all of life and the spirit of God is given from Jesus to you. Flows from Jesus to you. That's why the word of God says something very important. It says, He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with the you know what that means? Do you know what that means? It's the same thing that we spoke about. It's the same thing that we spoke about. It's the same thing we said. The spirit is in you. If you put your faith in Jesus, if you commit your life to Jesus, if you repent of your sin, then the spirit of God is in is in you and the spirit of God and your spirit is fused united made one so at your level of the spirit you are one with God there is one condition you've got to come through Jesus Christ you can't come through 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 any other door you can't come through the door of anything else. Not meditation, not transcendental meditation, not any other door. There's only one door. Only Jesus. You can't take some magic potion and say, okay, now I'm one with God. I can't eat some powder and say, now I'm one with God. I can't do anything else. The only way I can come to it is through Jesus Christ. He says, I am the door. I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. So the only way to reach there is Jesus. If I give my life to Jesus, I depend on my sin and I get baptized and I trust my, my Jesus, what happens is this. My spirit and the spirit of the Lord is made one. It's the same spirit that was there. The same Holy Spirit that was there in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. The same Holy Spirit that was there when Jesus healed the sick. The same Holy Spirit that was there when Lazarus was raised from the dead. The same Holy Spirit that was there when the blind was healed. The same Holy Spirit that was there when the lame started walking again. The same Holy Spirit that was there that worked out the miracle of the ten lepers. The same Holy Spirit that was there when the five thousand got food when there was nothing. The same Holy Spirit that was there that raised Jesus from the dead with this awesome power. That same Holy Spirit is in. And your spirit is united with. With his spirit. That means your spirit and his spirit is one. 
Now think about it. I want you to turn to Acts of the Apostles, chapter 3. Acts of the Apostles, chapter 3. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain lame man from his mother's womb was carried. Who were the people that were going to the temple? Who was the person kept there? A lame man. The lame man could not. It was a condition that he had from his birth. Whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Who seeing Peter and John, about to go in to the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have. But what I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. What is the meaning of that phrase? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. What does that mean? When I say in the name, you've got to understand that throughout the word of God. Throughout the word of God, the name has very special significance. When you speak name, it meant not label. When we think of name, we think label. So we'll call this red, we'll call this green, we'll call this purple, we'll call this orange, we'll call this blue, and we'll call this black. We give it labels. And we say that label is the name. But in the Hebrew understanding of things, the name did not necessarily mean a label. The name signified the personality, the manifestation of who the person really is. And so that's why in the Old Testament you'll see, you'll see the word of God saying, the name of the Lord is like a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are, wow. The name of the Lord is like a strong, and then you see the Lord saying, my name is, I am. And he says, my name is Jehovah Rapha. He says, my name is Jehovah Jireh. He says, my name is Jehovah Shalom. What is this? Does God have many names? Or is he just keeping on changing names? What is this? He's talking about, he's giving a title to what his whole personality resembles. God is, I am who I am, eternity. God is healing. God is peace. God is a good shepherd. God is victory. And he's 
This whole manifestation of who God is comes forth with that name. And that's why Jesus was called Jesus, Yeshua. Because Yeshua or Jesus means God is my salvation. And so Jesus was the manifestation of the salvation of God to all mankind. That's what name meant. That's why when Peter came and, and, and Jesus shows Peter as one of the apostles, he says his name is Simon. He says, whoa, 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 one minute. You know what? I'm going to change your name. Because Jesus knew Peter better than, better than Peter knew himself. <laughs> Jesus knew that Peter was a scared guy. Jesus knew that Peter was this man who was totally full of fears. Jesus knew that Peter was this man who had his own heart, who was headstrong, who thought highly of himself, and so was very unstable. And so Jesus told Simon, he says, See, listen, I know who you are. I know what you are. Simon is scared. Simon is fearful. Simon is unstable. So I'm going to change you. I make you Peter, rock. So when he called him Peter, he was not just changing his label. He was not just changing, removing the green cap and putting it on the, on the, uh, on the, on the red pen. He was not just changing his label. Jesus had better work than changing his label. But what Jesus was trying to tell him was this, listen, you are this, 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 this. I'm changing you. I'm changing your name, making you rock. So what happens that when everybody comes to Christ? And you see the life of Peter? It just shines through. That name just shines through. Because here was Peter in jail. In the Acts of the Apostles, you see Peter was in jail. He had chains on his hands and on his legs. And he was not even praying. You know what he was doing in jail? Sleeping. He was not crying out for hours and hours and saying, Lord, please help me. Get me out of this jail. Get me out of this cell. You know what he was doing? He was asleep. The rest of the church was more concerned about him than he was concerned about himself. Because he trusted the Lord. You know what happened next? An angel came and opened the door. He says, come on, Peter. Peter said, what? Is this a dream? Come on, Peter, walk out. That was Simon walking as Peter. But you see Simon throughout the life till Jesus dies? Even after Jesus dies, till he receives the Holy Spirit, you see Simon's life? Simon's life is a first class failure. Such an opportunity. Jesus walking on water, he says, come on, if you are Jesus, you can make me walk. Tell me to come. So Jesus says, okay, come. And he walks. He could have just walked to Jesus. He would have got the first prize, right? He would have been given an award. You know what happens to Simon? He doubts. And he falls. In the water. But Jesus had already called him Peter before that. In prophecy to what Simon was going to become. 
rock solid. What else? Here was Peter. Comes up to Jesus. Jesus is talking to him. He's telling him, I am going to die. People are going to take me. They're going to imprison me. I'm going to die. Then I'm going to raise from the dead. But Peter's mind only registers death. He doesn't hear the rest of the part. He says, God forbid, you will never go in there. What does Jesus respond to him? Get behind me, Satan. But Jesus had already called his name what? Ah. Oh. And, then, and then Simon comes and he says, if they are you, if they take you away, I'm coming with you. He does this foolish thing. He gets a sword. I mean, that's the most foolish thing you can do, okay? You know why? Because this is Jesus you're talking about. Jesus looked at the storm and said, stop, and it stopped. He walked on water. He looked at Lazarus and said, come out. And you're taking a sword. That's the most pale thing you can use to protect him. Because Jesus is protection. So he takes a sword. Cuts off one of the ears. It can't even aim right. Because actually that sword was not a big sword. It was like a short knife sword. Do you know how Peter really cut off the ear of that servant? Because Peter was aiming for his head. He was aiming for his head and got his ear. That didn't go well. And then he denied him three times. And after all of that, the best thing he can do, the best thing he could do of, think of doing, after all that came through that Jesus prophesied that he would deny him three times, after all that, the best thing Peter did was go and fish. But the moment he received the Holy Spirit, you know what he became? Rock. Stone. His faith was rock solid. His hope was rock solid. But that's not just Peter, that's you and me. When you receive the Holy Spirit, when you put your faith in Jesus, that's what you become. You know why? Because you are one with the Spirit of God. And so here is Peter. He says, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. What is the meaning of in the name of Jesus? It is not a formula. It is not an incantation. It is not a mantra. We don't look at in the name of Jesus as a mantra that if you don't take that mantra, nothing is going to work. Sorry, it's not a mantra. I hate to break it to you. It's not a mantra. In the name of Jesus means I stand in his place. This is the wine and the branches. When the father looks at this, what does it look at? Branches separately and wine separately or the wine as a whole? So if one of the branches talks, who is talking? The wine as a whole. Because you are one with Jesus. And so he says, listen. I'm an ambassador. I stand in the place of Jesus Christ. In his stead. 
in his place. And I say to you, rise up. Come on, get up. Who healed that man? Was it Peter or was it Jesus? Who healed that man? Was it Peter or was it Jesus? What yes? Was it Peter or was it Jesus, God? What yes? Was it Peter or was it Jesus? What does it mean? This is the branch. This is the wine. Can you show me the separation between the two? So who healed him? Jesus or Peter? See, Jesus and Peter were one. Just like you and him are one if you put your faith in him. If you repent of your sin, if you get baptized, if you give your life to him, Jesus says you are saved. What does it mean you are saved? You are saved from your sin. Listen, you've got this nature inside of you. Your nature, your current nature is a first class failure. Who you are is a first class failure. All that you've earned, all the ambitions you've had, all the talents you've got are pure rubbish before the Lord. All that you've sought so far, all that you've worked for so far before the Lord, it is dung. You've got to count it as dung. Otherwise you are going to say, it's not all dung. I have good leaves, you see. I've got some sort of an identity. And you're already cutting yourself away from the vine. Because you, if you say you're a Christian, you have to be connected to the vine. And if you're connected to the vine, you've got to lose yourself. You've got to lose yourself. That's what Jesus said, right? What did he say? If you gain the whole world, what else did he say? Unless a grain of wheat and because when a grain of wheat dies, it does not remain a grain of wheat. When a grain of wheat dies, you don't take all the grains of wheat that are dead and make chapatis out of it. You can't. It's lost its capacity to become chapati. It becomes something else. A plant. When you die in Christ, not, I'm, I'm not talking about physical death, but when you consider yourself dead, when you consider that I am nothing, when I say, my strength, I can't do anything. My might, my strength, I am nothing. But it's the Lord who is everything. Then you are considering yourself and all that you've achieved loss for what you have found. And that is Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Look at what Peter says. Silver and gold I have none. And you might say, whoa, he had nothing? I remember the disciples of Jesus had a money bag. But he had nothing? You know what was Peter trying to say there? He had nothing. 
Nothing. What does that mean? That nothing was his own. He was not a separate vine. He was a branch. He had no identity of his own. He was nothing. It was Christ in him, the hope of glory. Then he says something. He says, in the name of Jesus, that I stand in his place. And I tell you, walk. What was working out there? Did Peter believe that he could heal? Or did Peter believe that Christ could heal? And before you say yes, think about it very carefully. It's not the same answer as the previous. Did Peter believe that he could heal? Or did Peter believe that Christ could heal? I want you to keep that question, put an M plus and keep it in memory. Okay, let's move on. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up. Immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. So he leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them. Walking and leaping and praising God. Then you go on and he starts, Peter starts explaining in the next few verses. And I want you to go right up to verse 16. You ready? This is going to be big. This is going to change your life. Come and say it. This is going to change my life. Now say it with all conviction. This is going to change my life. Okay. And his name. Please don't tell me labels can heal. Labels can't heal. And his name. Who Christ is. His manifestation called Jesus. And his name. Through faith in his name. He was not putting his faith in the sounds. Jesus. He was not putting his faith in, his, in the sounds. Yeshua. He was not putting his faith in the sounds of that name. He was putting it in the name. If you put faith in the sounds of somebody's name, it really doesn't make any sense. And most of us think faith in the name of Jesus means Jesus, that, that, just that name, just the label, just that label, just that label, just that label. No, brothers and sisters, it's not the label. It's who he is. What does Jesus mean? God is my... So when I say I have faith in his name, what does it mean? I have faith in God as my... And means I have faith that God always... See, listen, if I say he is... Joy personified. What does that mean? Everything he is about joy, right? So somebody is sad, I say, come on, what's your name? Sorry? Shilpi. Okay. I, I say, come on, meet, meet him. Because if you're sad, you've got to meet him. He's joy personified. Because when you're sad, you'll be assured that you will start being joyful when you come around him, right? Or if I say, you know, Kiran, man, 
He's wisdom personified. So if you've got any, any problem, please go to Kiran. What does that mean? You can be assured of some wise saying. Not a wise crack saying, but a wise saying. When you come to Kiran and Kiran speaks, right? Now you're saying, Jesus, God is salvation personified. If you ever need any saving, who do you go to? Ah. Because he is salvation personified. So he says, and his name. What's his name? Through faith in his name has made this man strong. You see and know. Yes. This is the big one. Are you ready? The faith. Can you say the faith? Which comes through him? What? What? Say that again. Did we read right? The faith which comes through him. Did Peter believe he could heal the man or did he believe that Jesus could heal the man? But did Peter heal the man or Jesus heal the man? They both. I mean, it was... It was 2 Corinthians 5.17, he says, Behold, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. And then he goes on and says, We, are, we become co-workers. Ambassadors of Christ, co-workers with Christ. Jesus and Peter were so united together that they cannot be separated. Because his spirit, and it was not something that Peter did. It is not some work that Peter did. It was called grace. It was a graceful, unmerited, undeserved favor that God showed Peter. And that he shows you also. If you put your faith in Jesus, if you repent, if you get baptized, your spirit and the spirit of the Lord becomes one. And then you stand in the place of Jesus and just become a conduit. And get out of the way. You stand in the place of Jesus and so you say, in the name of Jesus. That's not a formula. That's who you are. In his place. So the problem is, can Jesus heal anything? Listen, Mark 11, 20 to 23, he says, have faith in God. What does he say? Can you say that to me? Have faith in God. If you have faith and do not doubt, you can speak to the mountain to move and be cast out into the sea and it shall be done. Now I want to ask you something. What is faith? We looked at what is faith the last time and we said faith is we looked at Hebrews 11. We looked at a lot of things and we said faith is, let me look at it, consistent, consistent conviction. Okay. Without any mental mental 
This is going to be big. Okay, listen, 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 listen carefully. Consistent conviction of or about dash without any mental deliberation. Right? That's why when you write a check to State Bank of India or Bank of Baroda, you write a check to somebody or somebody gives you a check signed and the check is of State Bank of India. You take the check, you put it in, that check is considered a note of trust. Let me show you something else. What note is this? 10 rupees. You know what it says here? I promise to pay the better the sum of guarantee of the central government. And so I give that to you. Okay? When I give it to you, this is just a piece of paper. But on this piece of paper is a promise. What's the promise? That he is 10 rupees richer. Right? That Scott is 10 rupees richer. That's the guarantee. This is the guarantee. Now Scott receives it. Does he even doubt it one bit? Does he think about it? If he doesn't trust me, you know what he's going to do? What is that called? Mental? So as far as this note and me is concerned, Scott has consistent conviction. I can remove one 10 rupee note and another 10 rupee note and another 10 rupee note and another 10 rupee note, but Scott will never... Of course I can cheat him. But he won't doubt. Now let's say I come, I take this money. Let's assume it's 10,000, not 10 rupees, okay? 10,000, fine. What's your name? Shreya. Okay. 10,000, not 10 rupees. And I take this 10,000 and I come to the bank and Shreya is the cashier at the bank. The teller or the cashier at the bank. I take the cash... It's a big bunch of 10,000 rupees. And I come and give it to Shreya. When I do that, I also give a small sheet of paper. You know what that's called? Check. No. When I take cash, I don't take check. What do I take along with it? I give something called a deposit slip. And I write on the deposit slip how many notes of 100, how many notes of 500, how many notes of 2,000, how many notes of two, one, one, not, 500 and 2,000, right? Yeah. How many notes of 500, how many notes of 2,000, how many notes of 10 rupees and everything. And I give it to her and I give the check. What does she give me back in return? She gives me a counterfoil. Stamped with the stamp of the bank and signed by her probably and signed also by me. Right? Think about it. I give her 10,000 rupees. All she gives me back in return is a small sheet of paper that I myself have signed with some blue ink that's stamped on it. But when you do that, do you ever doubt, ever, that the 10,000 has reached your account? And tomorrow you'll take another 10,000. Would you ever doubt that the 10,000 is in the account? Never. You know why? Because you have consistent conviction about the bank without any 
Mental deliberation. Now my question to you is this. Jesus says, have faith in? Wow. Have faith in? Very simple. So what comes in the blank there? So when I put, when I put, instead of God, when I put bank, I have faith in the? When I take my vows during marriage in front of my uh, woman, I put, have consistent conviction about my wife or spouse, right? Okay, so, so whatever comes in this blank is what I'm convicted about. What does it mean if I say bank here? What does it mean? I'm convicted that the bank will do whatever is necessary. I'm convicted about what the bank can do and can achieve. That's why when I take the money and put in there, I don't doubt it. When I take my dustbin and I go to put in the dustbin place, that time I doubt. I wonder, I look around, is there somebody looking? Can I keep it here? Is there a fine notice there? Can I or can I not put it here? Right? When I take the cash to the bank, I don't doubt. Isn't it a pity? We have more faith with something so much valuable and less faith to keep something that's trash. <laughs> okay, anyways. <clears throat> There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, so praise God. <laughs> now, I take the cash, do I doubt? No. That means, I don't, I don't go and take apples to the bank, right? Deposit career. No. I don't take mangoes and go to the bank and say, deposit career. No. I take. So as far as cash is concerned, I know the bank can do anything that it can do with the cash. The bank can achieve whatever is my need with that cash. If my need is depositing, it will deposit. If my need is payment to somebody, it can do that. If my need is taking a loan, it can give me a loan. Right? I know that the bank can give me, provide for me anything to do with the need in the domain of money. Okay. When I say, and instead of bank, say I put, what else? Say I put Scott. Now, of course, Scott can't, can't do everything with every need of mine, but if I take, let's say, let's say Scott is, um, is a graphics designer. Let's just say, Scott is a graphics designer. Now, if I come with, um, a card to be made, a birthday card to be designed, or uh, somebody's wedding card to be designed. Somebody's wedding card to be designed, okay? And, and I go there to Scott, I know that he will design it according to my taste if he's a good graphics designer. I've got conviction that Scott will do the job, especially if I've seen him work in the past, right? Now, in place of Scott or Bank, I'm going to put, have faith in, okay. What does this mean? What's God's domain? The question is wrong. It's not what's God's domain. 
It's what's not God's domain. What God knows best to do? Everything. What can he not do? What is impossible with God? You have to go? What is impossible with God? Okay. Nothing. With God, all things are? Wow. All things? So can God create another earth? Okay. Can he take stones and make human beings out of it? Okay. Can he take these leaves and just make a tree out of this? Can he take a virgin woman and make her bear a child? He's done. She's done that. He's done that, right? Okay. He's done that. Can he take somebody who cannot walk from his mother's womb and make him walk? He's done that. Can he take somebody having the most disastrous diseases and sicknesses and remove every sickness? What's your proof? What does the Bible say? That I will remove sickness and disease from your midst. So can God remove every sickness and every disease? Completely? Absolutely? Without any doubt? He can remove everything to do with any problem. What need can he not meet? Every need. Hunger can be met. Poverty, he can meet it. Lack, he can meet it. What is your need? Any need can be met. So what should be your faith? About God, that means God, with God, nothing is impossible. Without any mental deliberation, without thinking twice whether anything's possible or not. So just have faith in God. Then you look at the mountain and you say, move. Who says move? Who says move? We say move. Who says mountain be moved? Who speaks the words? So what? Whose job is the speaking? Okay. It says, have faith and do not doubt. Have faith in what? Not in the fact that you can move the mountain. That's the problem. Now you know why some people that you go and pray with do not get healed. Because you are trying to work it out as you. And he says, wait a minute. It's not you. It's him. In you. What's your job? Faith. That he can do it. Faith that he can do it. If you do not doubt and have faith, the mountain will... By whom? Who, who moves it? Through whom? So in whose hands is the responsibility if the mountain is a disease, if the mountain is a cancer, if the mountain is a, is, a, is a loan, if the mountain is a big debt, if the mountain is a big fight in the family, if the mountain is a big heartbreak, whose responsibility is it to speak, move? 
I say move, I am doing it in whose place? Why? Because he's the one who moves it. Are you understanding this? It's like, come here, Kiran. Come here, come here, come here. This is a bottle. Kiran is here. This is who you are. Now let's assume, let's assume, okay, that only I can move the bottle. Only I can move the bottle. Nobody else can move the bottle. Kiran can try, but it's not moving. Not moving at all. Not moving. Now, this is what the whole deal is, is like. The word of God says, not by your might, not by your strength, but by the, by the spirit of the Lord. Right? So it's the power and the spirit of God that's in Kiran. Who's there in Kiran? The spirit of God. Who's there in Kiran? The spirit of God. That's why Christ is in him. Now all power and all authority has been given to Christ, right? And so Kiran has it, but not Kiran. Because this Kiran is actually dead. It's Christ living Kiran. That's why Christ is alive. That, that's why Kiran is alive. And so he by himself does not and cannot claim any credit to move this bottle. Let's say this bottle is some sort of need. He cannot claim any credit to move this bottle. Only who can? Christ can. So then Christ comes inside of him. And what does Kiran say? Kiran says, move. Whose responsibility? When is Christ going to come and move that bottle? When he allows it. Now if Kiran says, move, but in his heart he's doubted, he says, not sure whether he can do it or not. I don't know. What is that? That ball is not going to move. Right? Because it's got mental deliberation. If Kiran starts thinking, I'm not sure whether I can move the bottle. I'm not sure whether I have enough faith to heal that person. I'm not sure whether I can do it. I'm not sure whether I can make this person well. I'm not sure whether I, 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 I. In whom he's trying to have faith. Whoa. But in whom he's supposed to have faith? Ah. But if he has faith in Jesus, and he says, I know Jesus can do anything. Through whom? Not because Jesus needs him. Huh? Jesus can move it on his own. And there are many times that Jesus has moved on his own, right? Like God has moved on his own. So many times. So many times. It's times that miracles have taken place in your own lives. Near death experiences. Almost life gone. And without you even knowing it. Boom. He's acted without your intervention. So Jesus does not need him to act. But Jesus prefers using him. You know why? Because he is a joint heir with Christ. He is a co-worker with Christ. He is an ambassador with Christ. As Jesus is, he is. As Jesus is, he is. So he's walking like Jesus. So he's saying, do the need. Come on, say, in the place. In the place. Come on. Come on, say it. In the place. Kiran, say it. Say it. I'm, 
Right, just repeat what I'm saying. In the place of Jesus, instead of him, I speak. And I tell you, move. And the bottle moves. You see the whole deal? The whole deal is we think we are doing it. And when we think we are doing it, we spend hours and hours and hours and hours trying to pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. When Jesus said, he says, you don't need to use too many words. What does he say? Don't use many words, he says. You don't need to use many words. You don't need to use big vocabulary, he says. Because your father knows your before. If you believe in that, then it is going beyond everything. Because then, Kiran moves, and if he believes in the word of God, which says that he can do exceedingly, abundantly, above, beyond all that Kiran can think or ask, if you believe that much, you know what happens? Kiran moves, and he just has to have his shadow, the need is met. That's what happened when Peter was there, right? His shadow healed the sick. His shadow healed the sick. What happened when the, when the woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of the garment? Touched the end of the garment. Touched it. Was Jesus praying? But Jesus had full confidence in one thing. That the Spirit of God, that the Father through the Spirit of God could do anything and everything to meet every need of every person through him. You've got to come to that point. You're still struggling with healing. You've got to come to that point. Where you believe God can do anything. You know what Jesus said? That's why. He said, you have faith the size of a... Oh mustard seed because we are trying to work up a faith of ourselves but listen to what he says in Acts 3.16 he says faith that comes faith that comes through him how does faith and conviction come through him your job is to put your trust that God can do anything whether the procedure of how that's going to take place, how that power is going to move, what is going to happen, whether the, whether the bone that is cracked is first going to have muscle grow over it or the bone is going to grow properly or what is the whole deal. That's none of your business. That Jesus has trust of. That Jesus has faith regarding. You just trust that he can do anything. You just have faith that God can do anything. You just have faith that the Spirit of God through you can do anything. Let the Spirit know everything else. Because when you were created in your mother's womb, it was the Spirit of God that found you. When man was not created at all, who gave man the ability to reproduce? Who set in motion this whole series of actions that made man able to reproduce? The Spirit of God. And what the Spirit of God set in motion is going on till today. It's not like God comes and, and comes, to, comes to each woman who is, expecting, who is going, about to expect and says, Okay, have a child. No, no, no. It was set in motion first when the blessing was put over every human being. You shall be fruitful and 
and the spirit of God moved that. What he set in motion at that time happens till today, right? Happens till today. So does the spirit of God know about your DNA? Does the spirit of God know about your blood? Does the spirit of God know about your bones? Your heart? Your circulation? Then why are you trying to study about it? He knows everything. Just let him do what he's doing. What do you have to do? Have. Wow. Last statement that I want to leave you, you with. The extent. Can you say this? The extent to which I believe that God can heal. The time that I believe God takes to heal. The way that I believe God uses to heal is the extent, is the time, and is the way that God will heal through me. So if I believe God can heal the pain of the fracture, but not mend the fracture, only nature over time will mend that fracture, and that's what it's going to be. If I believe, yes, he's healed, but it's going to take a few days, then that's what it's going to be. If I believe that God can heal only through the doctors, then that's what it's going to be. So you've got to decide. You've got to decide. You've got to decide what? That God can do anything. That when God heals, he does not take time. That God heals directly. Supernatural. What does that mean? Over nature. Above every law of nature. You are meant to live in the supernatural. Not the natural. Another word for the supernatural is spiritual. You are in the spiritual, not the natural. Don't make the natural your reality. Make the supernatural your reality. Because in the supernatural, God can do all things. I know you, I don't know whether you're bugged that I've kept you till so long, but do you, do you understand this is the one thing that is going to empower you? This is the one thing that's going to take you places, literally. This is the one thing that is going to make you the real light and the real salt. All this while we have been taught, build on your faith. I mean, we have been taught, of course I need to build on my faith, but we have been taught it's your faith, your faith, your faith, your faith that is healing. Yes, but what we've believed is my faith and power that has been deposited in me and it's all my fault if somebody does not get healed. Because I have believed that it's me. I need to understand that God always heals because he's Jehovah Rapha. I just have to have faith in him that he is going to heal and the extent to which I have faith in him, the time that he's going to take to heal, if I, if I believe that he's going to take many days, that's what it's going to be. But God doesn't take many days. God has shown throughout his word that he heals. So what is the standard which is going to build my faith? What is the standard?
standard that is going to show me to what extent God can work the word of God the more I have this the more I'm energized the more the spirit of God works according to my faith it is done to me what is that thing that is going to let me allow the spirit of God a free reign to work through me praying in tongues the more I pray in tongues the more I am getting my soul out of the way so that my spirit united with the spirit of God can shine through because you don't need to know how to heal he knows you just have to be a vessel that's all that's why he said my burden is light my yoke is not heavy it is so stop putting so much of effort into understanding how to heal because Jesus knows to heal all you have to believe is that he can heal get out of the way be a pipe so that the healing can flow through you get the doubt out because the doubt is a block don't you agree that God has been so humble to make to use us because let's face it if you are in front of somebody God trusts you God trusts you that you will open your mouth and speak so that that person can be healed but can't God heal the person directly yes he can but at that moment because you are there he chooses to do it through you even that much privilege I mean that's worth it that's worth it and worth every moment that we are living what do you need to have the zeal the enthusiasm and the willingness the willingness that's why that's why one pastor said we need a sense of responsibility love requires responsibility we need to have a sense of responsibility we've got the spirit of God inside of us when we see somebody who's sick we've got to have the responsibility to go and be a pipe Amen? I know this has shaken a lot of you. Let's pray and thank the Lord for this wonderful revelation. Father, we thank and praise you, Lord, that this seed that you have sown, Lord, is going to bear fruit, Lord, and boy, the fruit is going to be hundredfold, Lord. We thank and praise you, Lord, for all that you have done, Lord, through your word, Lord. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Lord. Let's give the Lord a mighty crap offering for all that he has sown us. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Glory to you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Master. Praise you, Lord.